Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and I am joined by two of our three podcast regulars. So it is a welcome back to Lucas Ross and to Dan Lambert as well. Welcome, guys. Evening, evening. Evening. Okay, so the final international break of the year is slowly coming to an end tonight and tomorrow, which means it is time to preview QPR's game against Luton Town, which does kick off the weekend's fixtures on Friday night live on Sky Sports again. Uh, We will then take stock of what has happened in this last section of the season and discuss where we went wrong, right, who's overperformed, who's underperformed, and if that last section of the season was a success or failure. But let's start with the game that is fast approaching on Friday. As I said, it's Luton um, at home on Sky. Luton have made quite a strong start to this season, haven't they? What what can we what do you guys think of their start, first of all? Um I've gone, Lucas gone. Um, cheers. Um, I think it's been a Quite a strong start from the Hatters, um, basically in, in the mid-table sort of area. Um, I think um, Elijah Adebayo, I think his name is, has been um, a really exciting player for them. Um, and I think a result for me this season that really stood out for me was their 5-0 demolition of Coventry, which was a bit of a freak result, but it's the championship. These things happen. And um, you wouldn't expect Coventry, this current Coventry side, who are doing so well to be in the position that they're in, to implode like that. And, and it just happened to be against Luton, and Adebayo was there to punish them. And yeah, they've, they've had a strong start to the season under Nathan Jones, who looks to be the manager to take them forward through the, through the years to come. And yeah. Yeah, so they've. Um got 24 points from 17 games six wins six draws and five losses they're not that far off us points wise in that sort of very tight section that's just below the playoffs Dan um, what do you think of Luton so far this season Um, I think they're a good outfit I mean I'd say they're probably in the bracket of about what four to five teams that are probably edging for that last or last two or one final playoff um, position. I mean, Nathan Jones, I'm a big admirer of Nathan Jones under uh, what he's done with Luton specifically over the last two and a half years. I think they've progressed quite well. Um, and yeah, they're just an aggressive, aggressive side that you don't really want to face. They work well as a unit and um, yeah, for, for the budget they're on, they're doing very well. So talk us through, Dan, if you could, because I think you've maybe looked into it a bit more than us. Who, how, what's their sort of style of play? And, you know, I'm praying here they're not press inside. Uh, they are, they are. Um, they rank... I think All right, well, that's four. it. Game over then. <laughs> All right, that's, might as well the podcast there. Nice, um, nice, nice seeing you guys. See you next one. No, they, um, they, I think they rank fourth highest for... Um, their press and uh, league wise anyway they're quite direct um, particularly use, using the width of their wing backs the likes of James Bree and Amari Bell um, I like putting long balls into the channels uh, running onto them quite quite a physical outfit um, 
yeah, they like to overload the wide areas as well, particularly 3v2. They like to drop the the number 10 um, in the little pockets. Um, so they're not too technical, but they're a good physical, direct, effective side, basically. Yeah. Um, so Lucas already mentioned him, Elijah Adebayo, with, he scored eight goals in 15 games. But uh, do you guys have anyone else to your mind that would stand out as a key player for them and who someone that we should be looking out for? on Friday? I think a bit of a mixed bag here would be um, the goalkeeper, Simon Sluba, because sometimes he can be a damn good keeper, but sometimes he's just dodgy. Um, so I think Sluga um, would be one to watch out for, depending on how he plays, because some games he can be really, really good. Some games he can be hideous, and a bit like a Sunday league keeper. Um so I think Sluga's definitely one to watch out for. Did you just compare a second division player to a Sunday league player? Yeah, I, think I that's, did. <laughs> that's a bit harsh, is it not? Like <laughs> you gotta do, you gotta do. Um he isn't that's a name that I recognise though. Is he was he with them last year? Yes, and the year before. Okay. Um Dan, who who are you looking at for sort of a, another key player for Luton? Um, for me, probably Harry Cornick. He plays alongside Adebayo. Um, quite a more direct pacey. He's he's naturally a winger, but he plays in a two. He's he's probably what we don't want to face in terms of pacing behind, especially with them long direct balls. Um, had a very good first season, I think, under Jones in League One. Then dropped off slightly, and I think he's um, gained a bit of form. He scored quite a few goals. Yeah, he's got um, seven in seventeen in all competitions, I believe. Yeah, it's quite quite an impressive record um, this season. I'd probably say Alan Campbell's the other one for me if he starts. Um, known for his time at Motherwell, but particularly with their their aggressive press in midfield, he he's one to look out for. He'll. He's kind of the main outlet of pressing from the front. Right. So, um, having looked at them, what do we think? Who do we think is going to be crucial for us? If you could nail or name one player from the perspective lineup for QPR, who's going to be crucial to us getting mm. a good performance and maybe three points on Friday? I think it could well be the likes. I think the midfield. Could well be where this game is won and lost, or won or lost. I think um, Ball and Johansson, no, I think possibly Ball and Johansson could be crucial to the game, given how firmly Luton like to press against us. They press really hard. They're a bit like a Gaden press, either if you like. Um, so I think the, the midfield will be vitally important. I think some, some of the attackers, like Lyndon Dykes, could well... Bully, bully their defence. Um, and I think, in speaking of defence, in our defence, I think, I think Lee Wallace. I think he, hopefully he, he'll play on Friday on Friday night and have a, have a good first game back. Dan, who are you thinking is going to be very important for us come Friday? Um, well, they like to well on the press. They off the ball. They play man to man something like similar that we played against Barnsley. So thinking, well, they, they'll ma- likely they'll match us in the system of the back three. I think the wing-back duels could be quite uh, interesting, um, particularly when they're most of the time they'll be one-on-one with each other. So that could be something to look out for. 
Um, and also, depending on the system, I imagine I'll play two two tens, Willock and Chair, but because they play three at the back and they're going to drop off the, the back three, I think with Willock, Willock and Chair, they get time and space and they could be the difference between um, between the two sides. Okay. Um, and you know, Lucas has already mentioned him in Lee Wallace. The international break has allowed for some players to recharge batteries, I guess, after um, a pretty busy period. So would you like to see Sam Field, Lee Wallace feature? I know Field played quite a few minutes recently in the under-23 side of Wallace. They, you know, they're both making their way back to fitness. It would certainly seem that Field is probably slightly ahead of Wallace in the sort of... Um, of fitness stakes. So who what what sort of team do we want to see on Friday night? Field, um field. I'm not so sure whether we want to see him again such a pressing side like Luton, maybe hold off until Huddersfield um next Wednesday um for him to play. But Wallace I would like to see go straight back in because of our shortage of left backs. I guess, like, if with Wallace, can we afford not to play him or do we want to risk Barbe left wing back? And I don't know, is Moses fit to play? I can't I can't quite remember. Um, you know, you're going to end up having to play Kakai as well. Is it a case that, you know, they can't actually afford not to at least give him 60 minutes? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think we need clarity on the... The Bajo situation, um, that could be quite important. I'm wondering whether I don't think he will, but would he if Wallace isn't fit for the full 90 to play in quite a high tempo um game, does he does he revert to Willock as a left wing back for just the odd game? Um, and then go for like maybe the two up top with chair behind. Um yeah, it's it's a, it's a hard one. With what well, it would firstly it depends on I think I read the other day that uh field. And Wallace, at least, are all going to play some part in the under-23 game tomorrow um, on Tuesday. So, obviously, it all depends on that first. But um, it'd be an interesting one for, for Warburton to deal with. Yeah. Uh, so, just having a look at the Odebarjo situation, um, he is he picked up a hamstring injury against Blackpool. That's why he went off at half-time. So, they were kind of hoping that um, the injury would ease off over the international break and that's according to West London Sports so it's a difficult one the the amount of injuries we've got it's I don't really want to see Lee Wallace stretched straight away because it just seems counterproductive but if you've got no other option um, or maybe a bad option is, is the best option in this situation with like you said Willock playing wing back or Barbe or something but I don't I don't see the need to be uh, risking Wallace so soon after coming back. Um, Dan, did you have anything else to say on that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I wouldn't... I know Kakai's got his critics or whatever this season, but I actually wouldn't mind potentially seeing him a left wing back for purely on the basis that they're, they're very more right-sided than left-sided, so Bree will probably likely try and pin whoever's playing a left wing back. So if, if they pin us that side, then we, we can always use a domo that we do recent in recent weeks as our creative outlet going forward. So I don't think it's the worst if Kakai plays. Obviously, it's not the ideal situation, um, but yeah, I wouldn't be against it. And just finally, before we move on, Dan, you 
seem to have quite a bit of time and affection for Nathan Jones. What what is it about him? What 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 is it he's so impressive at Luton? Because he he went to Stoke for what could really be called a, a secondment, really. Um, so what what's so good about Nathan Jones and st- at Luton? Um, it's more kind of his coaching ability. I think. Well, obviously he took Luton by storm in League Two and One. Um, they were playing like some some outstanding football at times. And then, obviously, they went to the championship. He'd gone to Stoke at that time. And then he came back, kept them up, um, probably under, well, tough circumstances. And, I mean, he's progressed them from being relegation candidates to, to a mid-table side to now potentially pushing to the playoffs with what one of the lowest budgets in the division. So his coaching ability has got to be out there for me. OK, good stuff. So just to round off this section on Luton on Friday... We are going back to predictions. Now, I think it'd be unfair to not mention that Dan recently did get a correct prediction. What was it? Did you predict one all against? One all. Yeah, I think Lucas Lucas predicted it as well, but I won first, so I'll take first dibs. <laughs> so, okay, fair enough. Um, I think that means you're up to at least one correct scoreline so far. I've got two. I've also got two correct results, I believe. So it's, you know... It's if you're looking for someone to give you tips, if you're having a bet on Saturday, maybe me or Dan are more likely to get you the right result. Mike, on the other chance, isn't here tonight, unfortunately, at the moment. He is, he's got nothing right so far. So I don't listen to whatever Mike is saying. But well, considering, considering um, how chaotic we've been this season, it's pretty impressive to get at least one right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one thing that you can predict is goals. I think if anyone predicts a nil-nil draw, they're uh, playing with fire a little bit, just wasting a prediction, really. Um, But let's get your predictions for Luton on Friday. Starting with Lucas, what do you think? I won't give you the opportunity to copy Dan this week, as Dan's suggesting. (laughs) Not so subtly. I'm thinking so. um, Hopefully on Friday, if if Wallace is fit, then... We'll go with the customary 5-3-2. If Wallace isn't fit, I would like to see a formation similar to what we played against Birmingham. Um, way one 2 nil, obviously. I'm going to go, me a tough game, I'm going to go with 2-1 Rangers. Okay, and for a moment when you were talking about the formation, I thought you were about to predict 5-3 as a scoreline. So I thought that was, uh, that would have been very bold. 2-1, yeah? Okay, uh, Dan, what do you um, think? I think it's going to be a tough game, uh, especially on being on Sky um, and then being an oppressive, uh, a, a pressing side that we haven't um, we haven't beaten in a while. Uh, so I'm going to go for a, a one-all draw. Yeah, I think the thing to remember here is that I don't think we've won on a Friday in years. Oh, not that stat again, no. Oh. I can't remember what it exactly is, but it's just come to my... I just remembered now that it's like... It's I think something it's 20, really bad. 20, 20 defeats out of like 23, I think. So like three draws. So we haven't won. Yeah, it's I just... Think, I believe. Basically, it's not ideal. 
Um, so yeah, that was our little preview for Luton. Um, moving on to our topic of the week this week, we're going to be taking stock of what's happened in this last sort of section of the season, including the end of October and the start of this month, uh, November. So I specifically mean between the dates of the 16th of October and the 6th of November, which is in between the two international breaks. And I'll just run through our results in that period. So we had Fulham away, which was a 4-1 loss. Keep uh, one nil at home to Blackburn, uh, two one to Peterborough away. Then there was the cup match, nil nil after ninety minutes, three one on penalties to Sunderland. A one all draw at home to Forest, one nil win away at Cardiff, and then a one all draw last week away at Blackpool. So that means in the league we've played six, won two, drawn two, and lost two. Points eight. So. What you listeners won't know is that prior to a podcast last week or the week before, we had a quick chat with Lucas's dad, and he mentioned that he saw that Warburton wants 10 points a month as a sort of benchmark, and if he, you get 10 points, it would be a success. In November, we're kind of on track for that, four out of six points so far, but October wasn't quite a successful seven points, so... What first thoughts? Look, at, thinking about those results, having just listened to me read them off. What do you think of the period that's just gone? Um, I think we can all agree it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Um, it goes without saying. I think. Um, I think the Blackburn and Cardiff wins, while they are uncomfortable, they were both much needed in terms of our progression this season. Um, especially with the slender 1-0 wins and how narrow and nerve-wracking and hard and how much they made the heart rate um, go a bit crazy. Um, I think um, the draws, 1-1 um, against Forest, um, I think at the end of the day it was fair. It was sure it was a bit painful how it happened, obviously losing the lead in the 91st minute. And Blackpool, I think, that was fair as well because I didn't watch the match because I was at work and I was messaging my dad um, and I was messaging me during work and he said 1-1 full-time possibly the best result for us having watched the highlights I think I'm inclined to agree with him and say that was a good result but but the losses um, they're just crushing aren't they I think 4-1 away at Fulham obviously isn't good enough because Fulham, they're local rivals. I know we always roll over and die when we play them, but come on, 4-1. God. Um, I think 2-1 against Peterborough is bitterly disappointing because it's a perfect example of what happens when you get offered loads of chances and end up scoring a corner, um, directly from a corner, that is... um, yeah, I think that it, that shows that when you get loads of chances and the only chance you take is from a direct corner. Um, so I think it's been a mixed bag, eight points in the bag. Um, hopefully we get the te- we get to the ten point benchmark in November. Yeah, onwards and upwards. Elsewhere, I just saw this on the news. Reading have signed Andy Carroll. Oh well, you know. That's for a podcast for another fan base in, dressed in blue and white hoops. Uh, Dan, what do you think of that little sort of section of the season? What you know, general feelings from it? Um, 
I'm not going to list game by game, but I mean, as a general bag, I think some performances have been improved. Some have been quite underwhelming. Um, the, the, the important thing is, despite playing in whatever second, third gear, that we are picking up points. Um, I mean, the wins against Cardiff and <clears throat> Blackburn, they were... They, they were needed, but they were kind of dull at the same time. Um, yeah, there wasn't really... We seem to have dropped off going forward, I feel. Um, whether that be not just goals, but just chances in general. So I think that's something that's um, that could be worrying going into the next set of games. But, I mean, I think the positive is, despite we're still shaky defensively, we haven't been conceding as many goals. I think we've only conceded four goals. Uh, no, not apart from the Fulham game, but in the month, at least, we've only conceded about um, three goals or three or four goals. So that that's the promising thing to take out of it, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know if it's slightly skewed because, you know, he's only scored six goals out of all those league games. So, you know, that's not bad, is it? Scoring in every game, we all know what sort of run we've been on with consecutively scoring in league and then all competitions, which, you know, we didn't manage to continue after the draw against Sunderland. But... You look at it and think, oh, maybe they're not doing too bad defensively. The only one that I would look at and say it was good enough defensively was the Blackpool one because, you know, they were on top for the majority of the game. Whatever whatever the reason, they may have scored more than one goal. They probably, you know, could have with that offside decision. But, you know, we dealt with them, I guess. Um, so that's a positive there. But, you know, Cardiff never threatened, neither did Blackburn. They were such negative performances from the away sides. Sorry, um, from the opposition. And, you know, when we only score in one goal, that's a little bit concerning. Um, Dykes has been in good form. He's sort of the reliance that we have on him a little bit has, you know, maybe worn him down a bit. Um Austin Gray need to contribute more goals, basically. So I think it is kind of a little bit misleading, but, you know, come the end of the season, it won't matter if we're in a good position. And you'll look back on performances like Cardiff and Blackburn and think that was actually a good result to grind out that those 1-0 wins. Um, you talk about sort of falling off in form, having a look at all our other months so far. Whilst the last period has felt a bit depressing because of the cup exit and the Fulham thrashing, it's not our worst month by far. I mean, we would have to lose our next three games to match our worst points tally in the league, which was September, where we only won four out of 15 points. You know, we lost to West Brom, we lost to Bristol City and Bournemouth, but that was when we were playing well. So it doesn't feel... I never felt that bad at the time. We're not playing as well, but still managing to pick up points. And for some reason to me, it just feels a little bit worse. I don't know what you guys think about that. I can't quite put my finger on what. Yeah, I mean, go just go quickly going back to the the Cardiff and Blackpool games. I think we said this a few, well, after the games, those clean sheets particularly felt kind of like false pretenses, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, people thought well, some people at least thought that all these defensive problems would go go straight away because we kept a clean sheet against the well two attacking sides that were inept on the uh, on their days um 
I still still do think we've got defensive problems, um, despite our uh, low amount of goals conceded. So I don't think that's something to be um, e- extremely positive about long term. But no, you are right. I think it does feel. I think the performances haven't 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 helped the way we're feeling. I think that's kind of we haven't really strung a brilliant performance for a while. Um, I think I go back to Preston really being the the last like good good performance we put in. Um, but as long as we are grinding up the the points, that's that's the main thing at the end of the day. But performances do need to pick up. Yeah, I guess it's very rare that a team aiming for the playoffs sort of play fantastic football every game. You look at Fulham when they went up via the playoffs, played some of the worst football you ever see in your life in the sense of just sort of pure entertainment. Yet they sort of ground ground out wins and I guess that makes you feel all right in the end. So with all that considered, is there any one game from that list of games that I gave you um, that was particularly disappointing when we lost or drew? Peter, bro, without question, because... I wasn't able to watch um, most of the Forest game because I was away. But Peterborough, I was there, watched it in the flesh, and it was a pretty song. It was a pretty song for a move from the near enough 4,000 fans around me. Um, and I think um, P- Peterborough was a bit sombre. And I think, yeah, I think um, it's, as I said, it's, ha- it's what happens when. Is it's what happens when the only chance you take from a direct corner, which was a complete and utter freak, um, and you take none of your other chance, <coughs> and take none other of your more guilt-etched golden opportunities, if you like. Um, and yeah, I think that's just what happens, isn't it? Um, I think Fulham was also depressing, let's be for real, but Peterborough. Sunderland was also quite harrowing as well, especially in the manner as to which it happened. I think all the losses this month have been quite depressing. Dan, what was the game that stood out to you the most that made you want to just sort of not watch QPR anymore and just listen to sad songs on repeat? Um, For me, it was Fulham, uh, despite their quality. I know you could say... That Fulham have spent what 20 plus million. I'm not denying that they have quality. But I remember I think I wrote I wrote a piece on it after the game, watching it back again. And despite their quality, we just looked pretty much awful for the majority of the game. I think there was that image where we had a our, our shape was so lopsided that it would look generally look like a league, a league two defending a defensive team. Um I think Warburton did get that tactic that game tactically wrong anyway. I think. When we went all out attack after half time, I think he brought on Dykes for ball, um, and he still stuck with it when we went one all, and it kind of felt a little bit suicidal despite our defensive problems that game. Um, so I would say that's probably the one game where I was more annoyed with what Warburton did tactically, at least. Yeah, in that situation, he kind of had to sense what was going to happen. Fulham were going to grow back into the game, and you know, from the stands, you would hope that we'd go on and win that game, but. As the manager, he's got to effectively manage those situations. And like you said, they got it tactically wrong. And it was one of the most disappointing things, just leaving Johansson to get torn apart by um, 
the rest of the Fulham midfield. You can question, and people have questioned for some reason, his desire to play for QPR. But as we, you know, I think me and Mike discussed last week on the pod, he's taken a pay cut most likely to be here and, you know, walked away from Fulham in a sense just to play for us. So whether and he's, he's... Still, and he's still our best midfielder by, by some distance for me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's... I mean, no. shouldn't well, be well some have been doubting him. Some, yeah. some people thought he should be dropped. Like people sort of suggesting that he doesn't run and whatever. It just it's judging of body language isn't. It doesn't it doesn't make any any sense to me unless you're like a body body language expert or you're a you're a mimer or whatever. It just yeah. yeah. yeah the, the you know he he played for the, the fact that a lot of fans were also annoyed that he was welcomed nicely by the Fulham fans and that he welcomed he was you know kind of not happy to be back there but appreciated them as well he was there for ages he's a he's a bit of a sort of modern he got to promote two promotions with them yeah of course he's going to be loved I think every Fulham fan <laughs> was gutted when we got him so um yeah he's to leave your hands in so exposed like that was something that I was horrified with at the time and really that's where he should be more aware of the situation and think what can we do to shore this up and try and make sure that we do not concede another three goals like some of them which were obviously really quite preventable if we were switched on enough but yeah I would say for me I would Fulham in being in the ground for that was absolutely awful and I've been in the ground for quite a few Fulham shellackings and <laughs> I just don't want to experience it anymore if that's okay uh yeah so that was what games made us feel probably the worst okay so uh now joining us uh, is the final part of the regular trio that joins me on this podcast welcome back to Micah Chudley Micah, how are you doing? I am very good. I'm well rested. Um, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Fantastic. Than never, as they say. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's just get just to start you off. We're talking about like the the way that the seat this part of the season's gone. Um, and we were looking at the points tally that we got. Um, so uh, eight points in the last six games, including a, a couple of pretty disappointing defeats um but it hasn't been our worst month september was our worst month with only four out of 15 points claimed so as this as this month like of november these two months october and november they felt quite bad to you and does it feel worse than what it did in september um i think probably the difference i think it's contextual really isn't it because if you look at those september fixtures I think people probably looked at our September run and thought it was quite a tough run anyway. Um, obviously, I think uh, most of us were kind of expecting to get something from the Bristol City game, but that was just bad luck. Um, and obviously, the West Brom and Bournemouth games were probably deserved a little bit more than. I think with this month, if you look at the run of fixtures that we had, obviously, Peterborough is really disappointing to lose that game. Fulham was a tough game. Um, Cardiff, a game we probably expected to win and Blackpool, you know, although Blackpool, I think, are a little bit better than perhaps we thought. I still feel as though, you know, that's a game we went into it thinking that we could have won. So, 
I, I think that's probably where kind of people's sort of feelings towards the last month come from. Just the fact that after such a tough September, this looked like a much more of a sort of, I don't want to say easier, but more winnable slate of fixtures. And I think, what is it? Is it one win we got in the past month? Uh, we won, was it Cardiff? And then the win before that was Blackburn. So that would have been October, yeah. So I think it's just the one win. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think perhaps, yeah, perhaps that's probably where it comes from. I think everybody is just quite happy, and I include myself in that, a little bit surprised that we're still in the top six, really, considering we've won once in the past month. Yeah. Um, so let's briefly, because, you know, you've got to have a little bit of cheer. Who's played well over the last month and a bit? Who's really stood out? Because we've got used quite a few players, as we've covered with the injuries. So who's who's been our best performer? I think um, one one player who has been our best performer as such, but he's coming to the side. I'm going to go with two players, actually. Both, both of them have come into the side and they both put in good shifts. Um, both in midfield, actually. Um, I'm going to go with... Sorry, sorry not sorry, Dan. I'm gonna, firstly, I'm going to go with Andre Dezel. Um, <laughs> I think he's come in, um, especially given... Um, some of his paltry performances in August, cough, cough, Barnsley, um, when he just got completely outrun and went off in the first half. Um, I think um, Barnsley was a bit of a, bit of a shocker. I think um, but then he comes in against Everton and does and does well. Hot, st- stand his own against top Premier League opposition, and I think he comes in in the month of October and puts in. Oh, good shits actually. Um, I think um, so, some of the games he played in, he, he, he looked solid in midfield, he looked cool, calm, composed, cool as a cucumber if you like. And I think the other player who um, stood out to me, especially after giving his um, monstrously long period out with one of, the, one of the worst injuries you can get in football, is Luke Amos. So I think he's come back into the side after all that time out. He's in the first game he comes back in against Everton, he's tasked with a really with a really crucial penalty in which if he misses, we're out. And he expertly dispatched it. And obviously from then on in the rest is history with the wannabe Louis Vuitton fashion model having his penalty pushed onto the post. And then Jimmy Dunn netting the winner and sending the fan base into pandemonium. But I think he's come in and he's played well. Um, I think... Um, I think it's Blackburn, was it? I think Preston, I think, and Blackburn. I think he looked pretty damn solid in midfield. I think we put in some good shifts. Yeah, I think he had a pretty good game. Had some pretty good game. Dan, sorry, not sorry for the Giselle praise. Okay, so Dan, strictly speaking here, who's been impressive for you, individuals? Uh, probably Albert Adoma. Um, he's come in... Uh, I think I think I had faith in him for I think it was last year. I think he came in for the odd game. I think it was Borough away and he did well. Um it, I think him coming in has always, always almost helped the balance of the side a little bit. Because before him we were quite predominantly left-sided. Um Odebajo wasn't really involved in a lot of the play. Um I mean Adoma, he got a lovely assist against uh 
Forrest the other week. Um, he he gets the crowd going with his with his flicks and tricks. I mean, he could have a he could have a skills compilation video by now. Um, but yeah, no, I'd say I'd say Albert Dome for me is probably the one that's made the biggest difference for us. Yeah, and Micah, who's been the standout so far this little period of yeah, I'm going to be boring. I've got to agree with Dan. I just think Adoma just it's like he hasn't had a bad game. It's he's just been excellent, just been excellent every week. He's come in. I distinctly remember uh going to the Forest game at home. He was playing so well that he was having like a little bit of banter with a little kid sat at the front at Ursley Road. And he said, he said to one of them, Oh, shall I do a rainbow flick? And all the kids were like, Yeah. Next time you got the ball, he's done a rainbow thing. I couldn't, couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, he's been, he's been, he's just been great. And he, um, if if I'm gonna be a little less boring and go for a sort of unsung hero, I think Jimmy Dunn has settled into the team really well in um, in Davies's absence. Um, I I do really quite like him as a player. I do think he's probably got quite a big future, not just with us, but in the game. Um, so I'll say I've been impressed with Jimmy Dunn as well. Although Amos, uh, other than the Blackpool performance, I've I've liked the way he's been reintroduced into the team. Yeah, I think I'd probably agree with parts on all of you, but the one for me definitely is Albert Adoma. He's like, like you guys are saying with his flips and the tricks, like he just sort of has lit up some pretty dull games. And you, we'd normally look to players like Chair and Willock to do that, and they have done it in the past, and they can't necessarily do it all the time and you do need someone else to come and do something and it's just like a little bit of it was a bit of freshness into the side I thought he would or I think he would find it a bit more difficult against like if we played Fulham or or Bournemouth if if they're in like really good form I would be interested to see how he copes against them in comparison to how Moses did against Fulham Um, but against majority of the opposition in the league he's looking very solid by defensively and, atta- and in attack. I think it was Peterborough, my dad said that him in particular was very impressive defensively. So, you know, if he's using a little bit of nous and he- he's just clearly loving his football, he's living our dream, basically. You know, we would all want to be out there playing for QPR and he's a fan himself and he's showing it and he's just having so much fun. And it's nice to see someone just enjoy himself on the football pitch. And, you know, that story that you just said then, Michael, just put a massive smile on my face because it's just, it's kind of like, if it's the sort of thing that Tarat did, people would be going crazy about that. Like, rightly so, because it's just such a, it's such a maverick thing to do, isn't it? Like, the cut of the confidence. The thing, the thing I liked about this of it, the thing I liked about it as well is that it, it, was, it was pure. It didn't feel forced. Yeah. Like it genuinely just felt like a QPR fan saw some other QPR fans were just having a bit of fun. It's just, it's just really, it's really great, honestly. It's just brilliant. And it, like I said, it's just lighting up games with a bit of flair when they desperately needed them. And hopefully he can continue with that form. Um, we'll talk about fixture congestion and the effects it's having on the team in a, sh- in a bit. But um, he, he's doing really well at the moment to keep going at the at the pace and at the intensity that he is uh, playing at. Um, now that we've had our little bit of positivity, let's go back to the sort of slightly negative stuff and constructive criticism only here, please. But for you guys, who's been someone that needs to improve 
their performances. Let's start with uh, Dan. Uh, oh you guys are late. I'm going to say Dazelle, don't you? Um, <laughs> oh, I'm no, to, no. Think, you put he, me he on the spot I can't lie. Um, is, that's the point, though, isn't it? You, I ask questions, you answer them to the best of you. Uh, yeah, I know. I, know uh, I suppose you could say Sonny Dieng. Um, I don't think... I, I'm not I'm not trying to dig him out personally or anything. I don't think... Some people have thought he's been pretty poor this season. I think he's been all right. But, I mean... Um, was it the Ful- was it the Fulham game he could have done? I'm trying to think of a is there a few I think there's a few instances where he, not at the top of my head but he could have done better I believe I'm, I'm, yeah the thing is with Senny now is that obviously like last season he came in and was really commanding but I feel like he still has good moments in games there's a couple of moments where like Fulham I know it was probably like straight at him but he got himself into a good position and saved a point blank shot with his head um, whether he knew much about it or not, probably didn't know that much. But he still has moments in games where you think, yeah, that's the Senny that we know and love. That's Senny from last year. But then he makes a mistake or shows perhaps why um, he wasn't first choice for so long. Because that was the thing that got me last season, thinking this guy's come in, changed our season a bit, given us more hope, and looks like one of the best goalkeepers we've had since Alex Smithies who was one of the best goalkeepers in the division. And he's been out on loan at Hampton and Richmond in the past. We've been playing with, like, you know, with the greatest respect. Um, who's the one that went to Hull after? Ingram. 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 You know, we've been playing with Matt Ingram in goal and Senny's been at the club the whole time. Something can't quite be right. And maybe it's showing this season, like, what his true form is, really, and what his limitations actually are. But I, I think you're probably right. It's, that's the thing. We're not trying to sort of, like you said, Dan, we don't, we don't want to dig out players here. We're not just yeah. blindly saying, you're rubbish. You're saying, well, he's not been up to scratch and we wish he could do better. So, no. Um, Micah, let's go to you next. Who do you need to improve? Sorry, excuse me. I had to do a massive sneeze. Um, what was the question? <laughs> just out of the squad... Who needs to improve based on their performances from the last couple um, of games? Who needs to improve? Um, oh, man, it's going to feel like I'm picking on him because I had a bit of a dig at him last week. But I have slightly revised my stance on Moses Odebaje, slightly. Um, I've been told that he's played something like less than 40 games in the past two years or I saw a crazy stat or something. I saw something on Twitter on Saturday, I think. Um, <clears throat> and I, I did think a little bit about uh, Lee Wallace and Luke Amos and how they were introduced into the team after both of them not playing football for a long time. And it did take a while for them to get back to their best. Um, with Moses, um, I think Cardiff away was probably his best performance. Um, and I thought, you know, like as the month has gone on, he his, his performances have improved. But I think, unfortunately for him, he's come in and taken a position in the team that was so, so important to us going into the season. We've been crying out for a right wing back for the best part of two years, really. Um, <clears throat> so, unfortunately, there is a real need for him to sort of kick on a bit quicker than Wallace and Amos did. Um, so, I think he will come good with time, the way the other two did. But, 
we we do we do need a little bit a little bit more out of him because at the minute, especially with McCallum out now, um, we we just look a little bit kind of look a little bit like maybe Adoma's our best option at right wing back. And as much as I love him, can we have a thirty three year old playing Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday? I'm not so sure. So that would probably be my choice. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty fair enough. And Lucas, let's move on to you. Who needs to improve? Good question. Just one player this time. Let's just... Ooh, yeah, I am going to keep it to one player, actually. This is actually really, really tough because I really desperately don't want to stag off. You know, um, and I'm not going to. I'm going to agree with Dan, I think it was, and go with Dieng because... Um, we all saw that Dieng, we all saw the Dieng that we know and love last season because um, he was incredible at times, one of the best keepers in the division. Um, I think, and I, and I think that Dieng, he's been okay this season. And what, yeah, while he has had some questionable moments, especially in October, he has been okay this season. Um, I think. Um, Fulham, I didn't watch the match, but I don't think it was his best game. And Peterborough, could he have saved their last-minute winner? Quite possibly, because did take because he got quite a significant touch um, on his way into the net. Um, and I thought he saved it from the other end of the ground. Um, and, and yeah, I think, unfortunately, I don't want to pick on anyone particularly, but I'm afraid it's going to be the end. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Um, so let's have a look at one of the things that have been damaging to us. You've seen it now of injuries. The the hectic schedule that we've had and the cup run as well, I'd like you to consider that when you're answering this question, has that affected our form? Because we are, we are looking forward to the future. I think we're due to play a midweek game every week up until January at this point. So... How has the fixture congestion affected us? That's for anyone. Um, it hasn't helped. There's no doubt about it. It hasn't helped. I mean, I think on the form, the form thing, I was just having a quick look. We haven't. Warburton doesn't tend to make loads of changes um, in general, so I'm wondering whether a that's a problem fitness-wise because we're playing. Two, two, three games a week. Um, but then on the flip side, you can look at it, and especially like with the defence, um, that back three has been quite um, stable since device has been out. Um, that could be room for some consistency. So it's, it's definitely an interesting um, point with the schedule. I mean, there's always going to be the, the thing about the fitness concerns, but I was just wondering whether maybe with the, the, the few changes we make week in, week out, that perhaps we could have, pulled off some consistent performances at least. Yeah, um, I think it's a good point you raised about him not changing the side that much. So I think we all love the cut run, but, you know, he does like a small squad. And I remember back when we did go on a little run in the FA Cup under uh, Steve McLaren, when it came to the league games after that Watford match, Everyone looked very tired. Eze looked run into the ground. And, you know, players like Freeman, Luongo, they, they just, they, they'd played so much that they were burnt out. 
in the second half of the season. Do you think there's going to be any danger of that with, you know, because he does moan about it a lot, understandably, Walton. He really does. He moans about it and then he doesn't make many changes. But, you know, what, what, it's, it's a real, like, if he made a load of changes, everyone would be so annoyed. But if he does, if he keeps it the same week in, week out, roughly, but eventually they burn out, he'll get criticised for that as well. So what is there a solution to this? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard, it's hard to criticise him for not making the changes per se when he's moaning about the schedule right now because of the injuries. I think he's kind of limited in his options. I mean, you go from, it's obvious that Dykes is our first choice striker and you go from, say, changing a Dykes to an Austin, there's obviously going to be a big downgrade and he's going to get criticism for it. Um, and probably rightly so in, if we if we were to drop points in that game. But um, I don't know if there is a solution to it, but I do think coming up, he will have to use his squad, whether he likes to or not, um, a little bit more. But I think that could work. It has its, it has its cons, but I think there are games tactically where Warburton has got things wrong and he hasn't used aspects of his squad well enough for me, at least. Micah, Lucas, any thoughts on this and the fixtures? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think Warburton has said on a number of occasions at a number of clubs, doesn't he, that he, he prefers smaller squad. Um, I'm, not, um, I'm not particularly um, confident, shall we say, that... I don't know. I mean, I was speaking to, I was speaking to my dad today and um, we were kind of talking about, like... If it comes to January, it's kind of like what we were talking about the other week. If it comes to January, where do we improve? And we both kind of said depth, but then we were kind of like, where depth, you know, because we've got we've got three strikers uh, that kind of we rotate between and we've kind of got Johansson and Dozel that are similar players and then Amos and Field, quite similar Um So in, in terms of how to fix it, I'm not I'm not in, entirely sure it is something that can necessarily be fixed. I think the problem is we've built the squad for this particular formation and we've built it so we kind of have two in every position. And I think that's how Warburton likes it. So, you know, I, I suppose he can't have his cake and eat it. it. It can't be like, oh, I like a small squad, but also the fish, fixture congestion is too much. Uh, it's taking its toll on the team. It's kind of like, well... You know, we, we, we knew this was coming. Like, we knew this was coming. And, and as much as, you know, our medical department has got a lot of praise over the years, um, n- no team goes without injuries for a whole season. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be one of them questions I answer with a long-winded sort of soliloquy just to say that I actually don't know how to fix it. <laughs> um but but it is it is it's it's an interesting interesting issue for sure. Yeah. Um, well, that was a really good way of saying I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so w- let's just last couple of things because we're sort of running out of time now. Um, we've lost eighteen points from winning posi- positions this season. You may have seen that on Twitter. I think it was a second tier pod that tweeted that out. So. That is one negative. Uh, only Derby are ahead of us on that front with 20 points lost in their case. Uh, on the flip side, 
with third best in the league for <clears throat> winning points from losing positions. We've won nine points, I believe, from winning from losing positions, uh, two wins and three draws. So is that one of the things that we need to improve on going forward into the next month? Quite possibly, I think. Um, I think um, one thing that concerns me is our inability to... Um, well, our ability to score in games is magnificent. We've scored in every league game this season and had it not been for some wrongful refereeing, we would have scored in every game this season, regardless of competition um, but we don't really talk about that um, life carries on um, but I think that um, um, uh, I think that the crack could well be um, yeah um, I think it's, it's, a bit of, it's a bit of a sticky one here but I think if we, if we can hold on to games we'll be fine okay um, and Dan any sort of suggestions on where we can improve over the next couple of games um, probably starts from performances. Um, I mean, what we've got five points from our last three games. Try and pull a run together. Those 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 runs in the championship get you climb your places or keep you places. Um, I mean, we have, we've got issues and they won't be fixed instantly. But um, like Lucas's dad said the other week, we've just got to try and get um ten points ten points per game and just keep on keep on pushing really. Okay, and in the spirit of getting to 10 points in the month, we're going to take a few more predictions off of you guys. So, in the next three games, in November, we have Luton at home, Huddersfield at home, and then Derby away to finish it off. Very simply, how many points are we going to get in those next three games? Starting with Micah, please. Sorry, <clears throat> go through those fixtures again. Sorry. Luton so at home. Luton at home. Huddersfield at home, and then Derby away. Um, it's a tough one. I want to say uh, we get nine out of nine because I've just played those fixtures on Football Manager and we won them all. Um, but unfortunately for everybody, I'm not manager of QPR. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, that is bad. Um, <laughs> well, um, all I'm saying is I, I won the Europa League in four seasons on Football Manager 21 with QPR but you know, if Warburton ever leaves a job I'm available I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say we get seven I'm going to say two home wins and a draw away is it Derby away I believe yeah the yeah. draw away at Derby okay uh, Lucas how many points are we getting Ooh, between now and the end of November yeah um, yeah from those three fixtures Oh, I'm saying seven, I reckon. You're agreeing with Micah, so that's seven for you. And Dan? Um, I feel a bit pessimistic now. I was going to say five, but I'll go six. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they're, they're, we, we're playing three pressing sides, so don't get your hopes up. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, Dan. So I'll, go, saying... I'll, go, I'll go six. Six. Okay, so how many games have we actually had in November? We've got five from November so far, I think. No, no, we've, got, five we've got four. We've got four. So it's five in total. So it's 15 points on total. Yeah, so you could get 15 in a month. We've so we got... need we need two we need two wins, two wins to get yeah. that 10 point on average. So yeah, um what that Dan basically said if 
Dan is correct, we'll end up with 10 points from this month. Which And then if Lucas and Micah are correct, it would be 11 points from this month. And that would equal our best performance in a month, which was August at the start of the season. So, you know, I'd be quite happy with either of those outcomes. But obviously, we want the full nine. Uh, it goes without saying. Um, very quickly, last um, bit on this. Very short answers here, please. Has this part of the season been a success? In some places, yes. In some places, no. Dan? I'll say say kind of. Okay. And Micah? Uh, I think if you consider what the targets were at the start of the season, I would say yes. We're in a playoff place. Fantastic. Well, that wraps up yet another... Uh, entertaining, insightful, and well, it's just fun to record these podcasts. So thank you to Dan, Lucas, and to Micah for joining me. And hopefully you can see join us again next time. So to make sure you do that, subscribe to us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, which we're now on. So if you do prefer listening to us on Apple Podcasts rather than Spotify, feel free to start listening to us on there if that is easier for you. And follow us on Twitter at Art Generation Net, where you'll find uh, lots of fantastic tweets clogging up your timeline with random stuff about QPR. A few new articles which are coming out regularly now. Uh, I think Dan is going to do a preview. It's, come, it's coming, out Wednesday, come, coming out Wednesday or Thursday, a Luton preview. Luton preview from Dan Lambert on Wednesday. I hope he had done it, because if not, he was thrown under the bus there. Uh, no, I, I've done it. It's, it's, in, it's in progress. Don't it's, it's in the can, so that's good to hear. So, yeah, there's been another Our Generation podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and see you again next time. <laughs>